Scripture today comes from 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 through 10. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due to us, for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Amen. God bless his word this morning. I'd like to thank my mom, Loma, for being here today. Uh, yeah, she made my day very special. Thanks, mom. Well, Two days in the life of Brian. Mondays and Wednesdays when I get home from work, I'm greeted at the door by my youngest granddaughter, Adeline. When I open the door, she hugs me and says, Hello, Grandpa. And the first thing's out of her mouth is says, Let's run. <laughs> so I have to run ahead of her through the kitchen, around the living room, through the kitchen, around the living room, all while she's changing what kind of animal she is. I'm a lion, I'm a tiger, I'm whatever, whatever. We're running, we're running, we're running. And then I finally get out of breath. I got to chill. Then she says, let's play hide and seek. So now sometimes Amy plays with us, sometimes she don't, sometimes it's me and her. We go do hide and seek for a few minutes. Then, a few weeks ago, Amy got her this ice cream truck. Now she brings the ice cream truck out to the living room and says, Papa, let me sell you some ice cream. And when I get home, I can't sit in my chair, which is really what I want to do, because I just come home from work. I have to sit on the floor. So I get down on the floor, and I have to ring the bell and look through the ice cream truck window, bend over and say, Adeline, are you selling ice cream today? She says, yes. And I tell her what I want, and she says, coming right up. Usually on Sundays, I spend time with my oldest granddaughter, Esther. Last Sunday, about 3 o'clock, we decided to go see her over at my brother's house. She was feeding the pigs. So we helped feed the pigs, and then we went fishing. And anybody who's got little ones, you remember if you use a dad or mom, and God forbid you took your baby fishing, it's throw out, reel in, throw out, reel in. <laughs> And then you get caught in trees or whatever, and you're thinking, Lord, have mercy. Can we just leave it in the water? But no, we're throwing it and reeling it. So I'm bending down, picking up the worm, bending down, picking up the worm, throwing it out for her. She's reeling it in. And then it rains. And whenever I'm with Esther and we're in the house playing, she likes to run at you and jump, and you have to catch her and swing her and move her around. And despite warnings from my boys 
and my wife and my body that you're going to pay for this sin that you've just committed, I go ahead and do the task. And usually the next day or Monday before I go to work or Wednesday before I come here to the choir or do the youth, my body says you have sinned in a very bad manner and you're going to pay for that sin. And I'm in pain, constant pain, and the kids and everybody's telling me, you're just crazy for doing that. But that's all right with me um, because I figure I can go take a nap, take me two or three a leave, and even though a leave don't fix the problem, it numbs the problem just long enough where I'm over that situation. Was it worth it? Yeah, it's worth it. Right? It's always worth putting your body through the ringer even though your body's saying don't do it if it's for your kids or your grandkids or a family member. You're going to do it. And I used to laugh at the old timers when I was young going to the Todd family reunions when you hear them talking, you know, sometimes they're sitting in a chair, uh, sometimes they're standing up and they say, Uncle Billy Bob, how you doing today? Well, my hands are like this. I know I'm 90 years old, but I feel like I'm 13. I'm talking, your hand's like this, you're 90 years old, how could you possibly think you're going to go out there and shoot a basketball? But now it resonates with me that on the inside, I know what he's saying. In here, I'm just a kid. I think I can do anything. I want to do anything that I used to do. But my body says, no, you can't do that anymore. And that's a little frustrating because at heart, I want to be able to do it. And I get mad when I can't run for 30 seconds and get out of breath. Or when I bend over and say, oh, that's enough jumping for Papa. I got to sit down. But on the inside, I want to do it so bad. And I think this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about here in 2 Corinthians chapters 4 and 5 when he talks this idea about the flesh and walking in the Spirit. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul's talking about the ministry, the importance of the ministry, and how they did the work of God that he had called them to in the ministry with all their hearts and with all their souls and minds and whoever they were. What they did, they done in sincerity. And he said, when we'd done this work, we realized there was going to be pain and frustration. We got sick. We got hurt. We got shipwrecked. We got laughed at. We got made fun of. All these things happened to us on the outside. But it was okay. Because he says, there's a consolation for the things we've done. And he looks at the Corinthian church and says, you are the consolation. You are the work of God that he's done through us in you guys. And because of that, we love and are thankful for the God, what he's done, that he's made that a result. Not only that, but you guys have taken care of us in our ministry and what we're doing. We've had family and friends guide us along the way and lead us through these perils of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Then he goes on in chapter 5, and I believe he gives three reasons why they followed the Lord Jesus Christ, why the ministry was important, and the same reasons that apply to them, I believe applies to us today as the people of God. We are his people. We are saved. We are sanctified, which means we're separated from the world, and we have his spirit reigning in us. He wants to use us for his glory and his honor, and whatever capacity you serve in the church, you do it for him, that he would be lifted up, and that he would be exalted. 
applies to the apostles the same way it applies to us. Three reasons why these guys done the work that I think reflects in our lives as well. And though this reading in chapter 5 is, I was going to call Mr. Saki say, man, this, this little passage is real wordy and it seems to be crazy, but I just, I, here's what I think he's saying. Um, he's saying, number one, that we look for the resurrection. That this body, this physical body is dying. You can't stop it. It's going to die and it's going to pass away. But he says, we've been taught something by the Lord Jesus Christ that there one day there's going to be a resurrection of the saints. And he says, it doesn't matter how you go down. If you go down in the grave and you wait, or if somehow he appears in the clouds and he comes back, this mortal is going to put on immortality. This piece of flesh right here will be done away with. The king of kings is coming. He's Lord. He's master. And we look for him and him alone. This body means nothing. He says, so if this body were to perish, that means nothing to us because we look for the king one day. He's coming back for his people. This is what Jesus promised. I will come back for you and I will bring you to the place where I'm at. These disciples believed that Jesus Christ was coming back for them and their whole life revolved around that fact. He was in the heavens and one day he was coming back and this body didn't matter. Secondly, they believed they were equipped for this task. That God had appointed the apostles and I believe God appoints us for the task that he has called us to in his kingdom. I want to come back to that point at the end. I hope I don't forget. Number three. They believe something I don't think that Christians really take to heart anymore. And that's judgment day. There is coming a day in the end. Paul says we all will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And we will give an account to the deeds done in our body, whether good or whether bad. They firmly believed that one day they was going to sit in judgment by God of how they run their lives and what they did for the glory of God. And because they believed that, they felt a need to go tell others there was a Christ, there was a king, and he was Lord, and we want to tell you about this king. I think Christians have forgotten that today. That we will die one day. And we will give an account to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords of what we've done in our lives and what we've done in our bodies. And truthfully, that's just a scope scary a little bit to me. But they firmly believe these three things. One, they long for his return. And it didn't matter what was going to happen in their lives, in their bodies. They looked for him and their lives was driven by that. Two, they were equipped for the task that God had given them to do. And three, judgment was coming. And because of these three things, he lists even more in chapter 5 of the importance of the ministry they were to do. He says, first of all, when we're in this ministry, whether you make fun of us or not, when he says whether we're in the body or not, whether you laugh at us or not, it doesn't matter. We're preaching the word of God that you might be saved, that you might know the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember in Acts when Paul went to the king 
And the, Paul, the king says, Paul, you're mad. These things you believe makes you mad and makes you crazy. And Paul says, you can think I'm crazy. You can think I'm not crazy. All I know is God has called me. God has touched me. And God has changed my life. And now I'm presenting that to you that God will do the same thing. So you can think I'm crazy or not. And the reason I do this, he says in chapter 5, is because of God's love. God showed his love in the Lord Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. God showed his love in the apostle Paul when one day he was going down a wrong road. And God said to him, Saul, Saul, what are you doing? You're not fighting a system. You're fighting me. Don't fight me. God came down through Jesus Christ, saved his soul, filled him with the spirit, healed his eyes, and he preached the gospel. He says, the love of God has constrained me to tell you that there is a Christ and that he's Lord. Then he says, in verse 17, not only that, but now, if you're a believer, I'm not to look at you in your old way of life after the flesh, but in your new way of life in Christ. And he says, we known Christ in the flesh. The apostles did know Jesus Christ because they walked with him, they touched him, they felt him, they saw him do what he done. But when he went to heaven, they no longer knew Christ according to the flesh. They knew him in their hearts. That's what it means to be in the spirit, that Christ rules in our hearts. And he says, because now we look at him this way, we cannot look at you in the old way of life because that old way is done away with. You are in him. You are serving him. You are following him. And now we see you as he sees you. It might benefit us, especially in today's society, if we would look at people as the people of God in this sense, created in the image of God, loved by God, cared by God, valued by God, and say, you know what? I don't want to see you as this person that lives this way, as an old, mean, nasty person, but you are a person made in the image of God, and you deserve love. And you deserve love because God loved me in Christ, and I should love you. One of the things I absolutely hate the most is election time because I'm just like everybody else. I get bent out of shape about it. But God forbid you would ask me to see that person as a spiritual person when all the decisions they make is contrary to everything I believe. And you're asking me to pray for them? Yes, I am. I love them. I care for them and I value them regardless of their political views. They are my people. I live and I died for them and it's not your right to cast that kind of judgment on their lives. I think if we viewed people from that framework, maybe we wouldn't be so bitter. Maybe we wouldn't be so angry. Maybe we wouldn't be so gimmick, condemning to them. To say, no, you are a person of worth to God. You are valued by him through Jesus Christ. The disciples were valued. The women were valued that followed him. The Corinthians were valued. All people are valued by God. And it's because of what he done in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So Paul says, I no longer see believers according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And it might be helpful if we see everybody as people of God in the sense that God made them and created them and he loves them and he cared for them and he died for them and we want to present that to them, that he died and rose again. Paul really likes to use this word according to the flesh and according to the spirit, which is why I put inside or out, which is I got to thinking about it. I was asked that question on my first Thanksgiving where I wanted to be inside or out. I did not know what that meant till I was outside hauling a turkey out. <laughs> I understand now when you ask me inside or out what Brian's going to say. <laughs> Let him mingle with the people. No, I'm just kidding. I, I didn't mind it. But Paul always talked about according to the flesh and according to the spirit. And what he meant by was the law. The law that God gave the people to make them righteous, holy, and just could not do what it was intended to do, which was to change the heart. You can never do enough to change your heart. Christ has to come in and change your heart and change your mind. The law was to make people righteous, and it couldn't do it. It was written on tablets, on stone. But Paul says the Spirit came. Christ came in, and what did he do? He touched your heart and he changed your life. You can look at this word. You can read this word. But until the spirit of God gets in your heart. And Jesus Christ changes your soul. This word will mean nothing to you. It'll just be written on paper. But when Christ comes in. He takes that word. And he speaks that word to your heart. And you grow in that word. So Paul says this old way of living under the law. And this condemnation is done. Christ has died for that. He has risen again for that. We don't live by this old nasty letter. We live by the spirit of the living God in our lives. And that's who we follow. And that's who we serve. But he also says to the believer, you're supposed to be dead. You are supposed to be dead, not living your old way of life. He says this in Romans chapter 6 in the form of baptism when he says when you were physically baptized and you said I'm going to serve you, I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to love you. When you went down in that water, you said I am dying to myself, dying to my will, and dying to my way. You are supposed to be dead. But then he says when you come up, you come up a new person. You come up in a new life. You come up with a new mind, a new attitude, a new purpose, a new desire. You come up and you are made new. Not that baptism do it, but he, Peter says the turning of a new life. So Paul says to the believer, we are not supposed to live that old way of life according to the flesh. It's supposed to be dead and gone. We are supposed to live under the Spirit's rule, under Christ's rule, and serve and follow him. That's a big task. That is a big task for any man to accomplish. How do we do that? How do we serve and follow him? I believe Jesus answers that. Paul comes to that very issue in verse 5 of chapter 5. And that's where I'm going to sum it up to that. All these things that they've done in the ministry. All the work that you do in the ministry. No matter what you do for the glory of God in the church. You do for his honor that he's be lifted up. No matter what you do, you do it under this power and this regime. Verse 5. Now he that has wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also has given unto us the earnest of his spirit. 
The Holy Spirit of God resides in your heart, works in your mind, and flows through your body. He has called you for a specific purpose to do a specific work in his church for his glory. He has equipped you and made you able to do it. Your whole life has been set for this journey he's put you on. Wherever you're at right now in your spiritual life, it's God who has equipped you. It's God who has made you. It's God who has called you. And it's God who has filled you with his spirit to do the task. We all grow in our faith. We all learn in our faith. We learn what it is to be tried. We learn what it is to be tempted. We learn what it is to be happy and sad. We all learn these things in our faith and serving and following Christ. And we do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. If we don't allow him to work in our lives, to flow through us, to lead us, and to guide us, we won't grow as Christians. The church won't grow at all. The church is meant to grow and prosper and extend and to move out. That's its whole goal in life. That's why Christ calls us to be a body and to reach out and to touch other people with the goodness of Jesus Christ. The church can just recycle, but we are to grow. We are to affect those around us, our family, our friends, our workplaces. He has called us to do these things, and he has equipped us with the Holy Spirit to do that task. So if somebody says, I would like to go to church with Brother Cool. If they say, I want to go to Community Christian. If I want to go to the Lutheran Church. I don't care where you go to find Christ. Find Christ. Serve Christ wherever he calls you. Grow in him. Love him. Serve him and follow him. And do with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when the body's decaying and you're tired, you'll see the fruit of your labor. It will happen. It happened for the apostles. When they said, you're our consolation, we've worked so hard. But look now, you're all growing in Christ. You're all following Christ. The same thing will happen to us when one soul turns to Jesus Christ, whether you prayed with them or not, and they call you and they just say, I want to thank you for being there for me. That changes your whole perspective. And let this old body die. Let this thing decay. Let it be in hurt. Let it be in pain. It is for the glory of God. And he has equipped us through his Holy Spirit to do those things. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your love, your mercy, and your kindness. And on this fourth Sunday of Pentecost, thank you for the Holy Spirit who is in our lives because we've accepted you as Lord and Savior. And he tugs on us and he pulls on us and he calls us to do the work that you want us to do for your glory and honor. You've equipped us to do the work. We lift our hearts, we lift our minds, we lift our bodies to you that you be glorified, that you be exalted and you be lifted up. Speak to our hearts now, Lord, to do what you want us to do. Help us to grow in our faith. Help us to grow in this church that many souls would be saved and lives would be touched because of what you've done in our lives. We give you the thanks, the glory, and the honor. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.